With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 60 KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's the day before the day before on Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. As we talk sports with you for the next couple of hours, a busy program here today. Going to talk a lot of football in the program, some basketball as well as both the Clones and the Hawks. Thankfully, we're back on the hardwood over the weekend, both of them putting them in the win column. Uh, coming up on the show, we're going to start first of all with Dylan Mons. Off we will go to Florida. Dylan has arrived uh, in Orlando. The team... Uh, Coach Campbell's team is making their way down there today, so Dylan will kind of set the scene, perhaps did a little exploring yesterday, uh, but we'll pick his brain on uh, what the uh, week promises. We'll also get him at the end of the week, so we'll do more of a game preview at that time, but we'll get Dylan Mons coming up here in about, oh, 25 minutes or thereabout. It is the finale of Monday Night Football tonight, and it couldn't have worked out any better. Two of the four local teams uh, will be participating. Two of the four local teams have a whole lot to play for as the Vikings will host the Packers. The Packers, believe it or not, uh, Trent, good to see you, my friend. Same to you. Uh, believe it or not, the Packers actually have a path to the one seed. That they do. This team that I don't think either of us think are great. No. They could be the number one seed and all roads in the yeah. NFC go through Lambeau. That's right. This NFL season has been terrific. Interesting. Yes. Different than I anticipated in many ways. Mm-hmm. Your Bears amongst them. Well, no, you, I was right yeah, on. You were right about that. I Adam was wrong seven about nine. the Bears. Yeah, yeah, true. Had a 7-9. I already cashed that ticket. Then you ticket. did, huh? Oh, yeah. You're home free already. That, that was one of the few that I got before the season, right? But, uh, yeah, interesting season overall. I like this Vikings team. I thought they were going to win the division. They need help to do that, not only winning mm-hmm. tonight, but then they become Lions fans coming up next mm-hmm. weekend. And, and well, I we watched... got what we wanted uh, next Sunday. We will get a night game. Yes, saw that. Terrific news. Definitely wanted that. And we get, I, I think, I mean, going back to that Monday night game between the 49ers oh, was, and Seahawks. Maybe one of the games of the year. I, I was thinking the exact same. Mm-hmm. As I was driving in, I'm starting to rack the brain. All right. What happened this season? Going through games of the year, those types of things. And that one was certainly up there for me. No, it was terrific. Uh, no doubt about it. Now there's a, uh, the Seahawks are really injured in the running back position to that point. Marshawn Lynch is in Seattle today. Marshawn Lynch something about that. hasn't played since last year, early last year. He's thirty three years old. Chris Carson goes down, right? Was it Procise also? Procise went down? went down as well. So they're down to a third teamer. Hey, mm-hmm. Marshawn, what are you up to? Trent, do you think he even put had had a, had a pair of shoes on that he could work out? I mean, did, did this guy do any running? No, he loves Skittles. How many Skittles <laughs> has he had since the That's end of his quote unquote career? When he steps on the scales. 
yeah. uh, as they put him through his physical. That's, that's He's got to be, right? Is he 33 years old? He hasn't played since, I don't know, early last year, October, some point of last year. So we'll see. I mean, they're, they're obviously desperate. Uh, and uh, as you mentioned, that'll be the final, the finale of Sunday Night Football with a lot on the line. And that one, the Packers can claim the one seed after Arizona beat Seattle yesterday. So Vikings, of course, the big story uh, is Kurt Cousins, or mm-hmm. one of the big stories. He's 0-8 on Monday Night Football. Does it end tonight? It sure feels like it to me. It does feel like it's over. Yes, I think they're finally going to win. Now, uh, the Vikings in their own right, they're for the most part healthy except one major, major piece, and Delvin Cook is not going to play in this football game. I mean, who are they going to call up? Herschel Walker? (laughs) Well done. Yeah, Robert Smith. Uh, But yeah, Delvin Cook's not going to play. Madison, (laughs) we're going way back. Old 44 uh, in the the way back machine. But uh, yeah, so they're banged up at the running back position as well. But look, the curtain's going to fall, and it's going to fall on two teams that uh, both move the needle here locally. So we're all in on that. We will get the Vikings perspective at 11.15. Prior to that, we're going to head to Vegas right at 11. KennyWhiteSports.com has threatened to come on our show for the last couple of weeks, and I think today it's finally going to We got him locked in? I think we do. Uh, We'll get Kenny White in here to opine on the Bulls. He's really good at college, so we'll do a Mm -hmm. lot of that. But uh, And then uh, Ted Glover from Daily Norseman. Before Tom Kakert calls it a show, he will join us. Move him from Friday to Monday. Uh, He was in... Uh, Chicago is a number of the Hawkeye media made their way over to the Windy City. Why wouldn't they? Uh, to watch that game. Boy, oh boy, the turnovers, Trent. That, uh, that yes. to me, is the biggest story of the game. Yeah, missing Jordan Bohannon just a little bit. And I think more than anything, you saw that during the Cincinnati run, during the second half of that game, Iowa gets it up to 15. Really felt like they were just going to coast into a victory. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati hit a couple shots, and the offense started, as Fran likes to say, it got a little sideways there for a while, and not having that veteran, the guy that not only what he can do with his shot-making ability, but just slow things down a little bit, Toussaint was an absolute non-factor. He was awful. Terrible. Four turnovers in three minutes. Now, Fran, did you see, and and good for him for doing this, by the way, he blamed it on he was slipping, Mm -hmm. you know, on the footwear, and he was having trouble with his footing. You don't want to kill the kid's confidence no, when clearly they went a different direction. But you had to because he was playing to. that Absolutely. poorly. Bakari Evelyn, on the other hand. Wow. Where now, did that come With from? one exception, he played. He had just made a big three, and I think the lead 68, 64, something, and plays a little hero ball. Yes, kind of got yeah, a little yeah. carried away with it was one on three or one on four, whatever it was. Trying to go to the rim. Yes, yeah. exactly. That play I was thinking of. And at the time, he didn't need that, but it's hard to criticize what he did. Where would this team have been without him uh, on Saturday night? But, uh, all in all, a pretty good basketball game. You know, turnovers aside, C.J. Frederick continues oh. to just, I mean, just Trent. He wants got the ball. something there in this kid. A, a kid that he has that it factor. Can't quantify it. Can't put a number on it. He just has it. Two different moments in the game. Oh, boy. Team's really struggling. Mm-hmm. They need something. Where do they go? Yeah. Well, you don't have Jordan Bohannon anymore. Right. You go to C.J. Frederick. You look at his numbers and his efficiency numbers. They're through the roof. He is the 24th best team player in college basketball right now in offensive efficiency. It's a crazy stat, Trent. We had no idea what we're getting. Or no. We're, or we're, maybe, maybe McCaffrey thought he had an idea what he was getting, but as fans or as people who watch the games, we had no idea what we were going to see out of him. I thought he was going to be another stiff. I thought that's what he was going to be, another <laughs> undersized two-guard. All right, here's it going to be. Oh, he's a shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's so much more than oh, that. There is, there's bounce in his legs. He's yep. got athletic ability. Pretty much every game. It's either him or Wieskamp is guarding the best defender on the outside. Now, that'll change with Bohannon not part of this team, but he's out there guarding top-level players. He's doing that at a high level, plus what he does with scoring. 
He's going to have to be a little bit more aggressive now, though, too. I think you're going to see that. And well, I certainly think he's his got number. that uh, capability yeah. because he seems to be the, you know, that's what he wants. His ability to finish, but that left-hand yes, layup, you remember the... I do very well. I know exactly what you're talking about. In traffic, goes up opposite uh-huh. hand, and he fin- he's an excellent, got excellent a lot player. of game. Connor McCaffrey had his worst game of the year, I yep. thought. Shooting-wise, certainly. And with Toussaint struggling, and then you have that, it's, oh boy, mm-hmm. if, what, without Evelyn, they lose this game. Mm-hmm. That's why you go out and you add a little bit of depth, though. Evelyn's not going to have many of these games, I don't think, but good for his confidence. And if he can hit down the open three, that's really all he has to do. You know, if he can hit some open threes, play good defense on the other end, they're going to be fine there. The important th- thing for Iowa now going forward, they got through this stretch where my buddy Chad Leistico said one and six through the seven uh-huh. game stretch. They went five and two. I know. They are exceeded everybody's expectations. Oh, there's no doubt. You couldn't fight. I would say even the most ardent Hawkeye Fran basketball Fran McCaffrey would have signed for 4-3. and three. And they go 5-2 and two at this point. Now, you got to make your hay early because the back end of the Big Ten schedule is incredibly difficult. they got to keep racking up wins here. This, this thing needs to continue through January. And then you think Fran McCaffrey's had struggles in the back half of the calendar. Mm-hmm. Fan Frey. Don't, don't think of the Fan Frey. The Fran and Fade, yes. as I'm trying to say. Yes, the fan, Fran February Fade yeah. seemingly happens every single year, short of one when Aaron White, a senior year, put the team on his back. But the schedule gets that much more difficult, so this can't just be a nice stretch here. If this team is going to be an NCAA tournament team, they might have to go something like another 7-2 and two over their next nine games in order to put themselves in consideration. Well, they certainly got my attention, Trent, and I, I didn't know what to expect. I certainly didn't expect to see this, uh, no. especially off that seven-game slate. You're seeing the NCAA is clearly uh, part of the conversation. Didn't think it was going to be. Iowa State, on the other hand, look, I didn't see it. I followed it via Twitter. Um, everybody was able to play. wasn't much of an opponent, mm-hmm. I guess, by the sounds of things. Um, they, they they crushed them, beat them by thirty. I think I don't know what the point spread was. It was in the twenties, I think, uh, at some point. But Jacobson got hot early, and here's the good news: they Prom was able to go really deep on the bench. Maybe for the final time this year, he was able to get some guys some playing time that normally. Oh, they got one more. Do they have one more? Florida A and M. This is the final two note before. They kind of have at least a bit of a pulse as opposed to Purdue Fort Wayne. I don't think so. Really, they're that bad, too? I think well, the Mastodons would be favored against the Rattlers. <laughs> they really? I think they would. Yikes. Couple so, of awful teams. But yeah, they, they got them ready. Uh, who was it that hit the three late? Steyer? The yes, walk-on hit the Kirk three Place late. went crazy. John yeah. Walters called it. He that put was a little awesome. more emphasis into that call. That was good to see. Halliburton shot the ball incredibly well. Did exactly what you'd anticipate out of Halliburton. And again... Well, they made their threes, Trent, for the first time in a long time. Well, and you know who made some threes didn't play a ton but it was terrence lewis mm-hmm. i have so much of that stock there's not much money left in that stock that i bought a lot in his before his freshman year but terrence lewis can do that he can shoot the basketball this doesn't have to be a role where he's playing 22 25 minutes a game but for 12 minutes a couple of three minute stretches each half come in hit a three mm-hmm. hit a couple of threes a game that's going to help. Now, there's out the some rest minutes of for him, Trent. I'm yeah. with you. There's some minutes for him. Uh, Bolton, on the other hand, boy, he struggled. I, I'm surprised because I thought they, I thought, and I still, I'm not, uh, you know, completely uh, writing this kid off. But I thought they had something there when well, he became I think they eligible. Still will because, well, you just said it right there. Kid didn't know he's going to be eligible. Mm-hmm. He didn't know until October. That he was even going to be able to it play was this practice, year. but yeah, that's true. I mean, in the back of his mind, but he has not had the start that no. I anticipated. A guy that really shot the ball west last well last season at Penn State. Trent, he was really good as a freshman in the Big Ten last year. Uh, we'll see. Still got got some time to to get this thing figured out. Sorry. Right, so that's the uh, basketball from over the weekend. As uh, as you mentioned, Trent, they both got one more tune up before conference play. Uh, let's get into the NFL from yesterday and. Um, 
you know, you know, I, I don't know what the bigger story of the day was. Maybe it's the Cowboys, just as bad oh, as they boy. were, with so much to play for. Now they're going to need help to get in. Look, it's coming to an end. Um, uh, the Jason Garrett era is about to end um, in in Dallas. I don't think that's a surprise. That was big yesterday. What else was big over the weekend? The Patriots look like the gosh darn Patriots again. Just when you think maybe you can write them off and feel good about doing so for the first time in a decade or so, then they they play the way that they did, and they played exceptionally well because I and. And you feel the same way. I'm not putting words in your mouth. We both like this Buffalo team. I like this Buffalo team. And I still think this Buffalo team can win a game. Can they win two games? Can they get to the AFC Championship? Yeah, I, mean, I think they can. I, I, Josh Allen, talk about swings and misses. I thought this guy was going to be awful. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to be dreadful. He's a tough uh, poor kid. Buffalo. Uh, look, they screwed it up again. Yeah. Here comes J.P. Lossman walking through that door. <laughs> Here comes uh, Emmanuel, uh, E.J. Manuel from Florida. Uh, no. Another one. They got... They got a quarterback. They that do. dude can move. Mm-hmm. He's tough. He's big. He can sling it. Uh, they can run the football. This is a good Buffalo team in New England. Uh, they handled them. And and then the Chiefs last night. I know it was oh. the Bears, and you probably don't want to talk about it because the Bears. <laughs> oh, were, we could talk about it. It was. Uh, and, and how about this? I mean, just savage, right? Mahomes when he's when they th- when he throws that mm-hmm. touchdown pass and he's running off the field. Good Two, for him. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Rub salt in every Bears fan wound. You know, they they cut away last night at one point to Ryan Pace sitting up there in the box. Yeah. And I just, I became so agitated. Just seeing his face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they cut to Virginia McCaskey. All right, there's Virginia. There's her up there. She's 90 plus years old. She's looking great. Great for Virginia. Mm -hmm. But they cut to Ryan Pace and they're just something visceral. I just, my blood started boiling. That, you know, you're gritting your teeth. And that's how I felt just looking, looking at a stupid smug face. Guy drives me nuts. Absolutely drives me nuts. And it's not just the Trubisky thing. There's many more layers to this. And I think for any kind of tortured fan base, you're going to have this with whatever element it might be, a front office personnel, a GM, whatever it is. You probably get to that point. But there's something about the guy that just it just bothers me anymore. He just bothers me. They could be smarter than everybody else. The decision to draft Mitchell Trubisky because well, he drives a move up was even worse. A, a Buick. Well, great. All right. So we're going to wait. That was part of the decision. Oh, absolutely. I that didn't that was that. a big part of the decision. The papers afterwards, and oh, you know, well, people are just upset now. Now people are upset the night after Trubisky was drafted. He goes to a Bulls game and he gets booed there. <laughs> The Bears fan base didn't want this from the get-go. Mm-hmm. It has obviously not worked, and it just goes on and on and on here. Good for Kansas City. Good for Mahomes. Now, there's another one that I missed on. I didn't think Mahomes was going to be anything close to what he has been. On the other hand, Sean Watson, that was my dude. Mm-hmm. And that's that night frustrated me so much because I thought they were moving up to get him, and then I get sold this hunk of crap Buick. Mitchell Trubisky, no thanks. Yeah, well, you know what? The uh, certainly the red flags were there. I mean, he was he only started one year for crying out loud, and that was uh, maybe. Look, the Athletic did a piece. They went back and they talked to a bunch of scouts and got their notes from that draft and mm-hmm. what they thought and who they figured was going to, you know, who had the most upside, who's the biggest risk, who would they take, and it's a pretty good piece. Uh, I might give you a little bit of relief knowing that uh, there was a lot of folks out there that in the same boat that they weren't sold on Mahomes. Some questions on Watson. Uh, Trubisky only started for one year. That's a red flag. Uh, Mahomes at Texas Tech never had a, never took his team to a winning record. Well, the defense was historically bad. Remember how bad Texas Tech defense was uh, during the uh, Mahomes era. So anyways, uh, give me your thoughts on the AFC. Baltimore clinched the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was a good spot for them. 
How about the Browns at the end of the half? Oh were you God. watching at the time? Some of it. I was yeah. listening. Uh, we were driving back from Sioux City, so that was the the national uh, compass oh, was it? game. Yep. So I think yep. I picked it up out of 810 out of Kansas City. and So that's what I've listened to. Like, oh, they're going to have a 6 nothing lead. Go to- mm-hmm. No, it's the Browns. Mm-hmm. Oh, they give up a touchdown. Take 10 seconds off the clock. Give it back to Baltimore. Yep. Oh, you look up, it's 14-6. It was unbelievable. That's Cleveland Brown football. Just the embodiment of it right there. Baltimore... Are they the team to beat in the AFC, or do, do they have what, to be? But what you saw in Kansas City last night, and gosh darn it, I don't want to talk about the Patriots being alive in this thing. But they, they are, are, they are that defense. It's not the elite level maybe we thought ten, eleven weeks in, mm-hmm. but it's still really good. They can play anywhere. Yeah, Brady had good numbers. Brady this past looked week. as good as he, yes, has, he has all season long. Yep. This isn't just some recent development that, you know, Tom Brady's really struggling. I remember us that first Buffalo game. I remember us coming in and talking about that on Monday and just how bad he looked mm-hmm. in that game. That was in September. And, and here we are today, a different conversation there. I don't know. I, I If I had just a straight bet, I still don't think I would take Baltimore. I think I'd probably lay it on Kansas City. Yeah. That's where I would be at this point, but... It's silly to discount six championships for Brady and company, right? It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, Trent, I, I do feel like they're the, th- the they've got the third best chance. I do like Kansas City better than I like New England. I clearly like Baltimore. I mean, they're the the AFC's going through Baltimore. Uh, Buffalo, I think, could win a game. They're going to play Houston in the mm-hmm. first round of the series. You know that game's ticketed for three o'clock on Saturday. I afternoon. don't think the Chiefs want to see Tennessee coming in. They beat them two years ago in mm-hmm. the Arrowhead. Different quarterback running the ship at that time, but. That game, were you watching Tennessee when the fumble happened as they're driving against the Saints down by three? No, not at that point. Guy catches the ball at about the 40, gets laid out, helmet to helmet, no flag. It, it was could have gone either way, but he fumbles. Saints pick it up, run it back inside the 20. Saints score and go up 10 there. I mean, they were driving to tie, or if not win that, that game. Tannehill's really good. They didn't even play. <laughs> Think about what you just said, yeah. but you're right. Henry didn't even play. No, he was out. He's yeah. going to be back. Mm-hmm. That is that is an incredibly scary mm-hmm. game if you're a Kansas City fan. With that team coming in, how high-powered that offense can be. The Chiefs' defense is playing well, though. It's that, playing better. It is. They are Don't read better. much into last night. No, I mean, the Bears were... I, I thought to risk... Fourth and 22. Check down. Check down. Come on. Throw the ball off. And, and good for the Bears fans letting him know about yes. it, right? I mean, yeah, you're right. You, you had you had to... You had one thing you could do, and he checks down. You Even if it's not there, you have to allow your guys to at least to try and make a, a, a play. Baker Mayfield had one of those plays, too. There was yes. a holding flag in there, but... Mm-hmm. I don't... I, Luster's off Baker Mayfield. Oh, as it, it should, should be. be. Who's taking over there? Don't know. My wife was trying to tell me that it was going to be Urban Meyer. Urban no, Meyer's not Cleveland. Go no, I, th- I can't see that. I can't either. I could see him maybe in. I don't know. I Washington? hope he doesn't go anywhere. Hope, yeah, I know that everybody got excited because he was in Snyder's box. Was it last week? I don't know. I don't see that being a good fit in no. Dallas. Well, they coached Haskins. That's the only thing. No, a Dow. Oh, I thought you were talking yeah. about Washington. But Washington. Yeah. I hope he stays with Fox. Yeah, you're, with you're, the big you're ten too network. selfish. <laughs> well, I'm a selfish sports fan. Guilty. <laughs> Guilty, guilty, guilty. Oh, it was a fun weekend. Well, we've got a big one tonight. The other news from the weekend I wanted to bring touch on at least briefly. Uh, boy, end of an era. C- uh, CBS is losing the SEC. They walked away from that bit. I mean, the money got crazy. And just when we thought it, a lot of people thought that maybe these um, league rights, these broadcasting rights were, had plateaued and they were going to start coming back down to earth a little bit. Well, maybe some sports that's going to be the case. 
But my God, the money that's being floated out there for the CBS package to go to ABC slash ESPN. And what does that do trickle-down-wise? Because there's going to be a marquee, I don't know, Big Ten? Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows what's going to be at 2.30 in the afternoon? But I know it's not going to 2.30 in the afternoon. It's no longer going to be CBS hosting the SEC in a couple of years. If you're the Pac-12, if you're Larry Scott, aren't you doing whatever you possibly can to to come to an agreement with CBS to at least get that time slot? I mean, it's a, it's going to be a, a step down clearly from the SEC in mm-hmm. the middle of the afternoon, but the Pac-12 can play some exciting football. I think that's certainly a phone call that you have to make and see what it would take to do that. I think also NBC are making a phone call over there. Have Notre Dame lock in that 1 o'clock window and then 4.30. Have a Pac-12 game in that spot, at least Central Time. That's a 2.30 kickoff for them out there. You have to do something, though, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you you have to go a different direction because, and and this is going to go hand-in-hand, I think, as we get to the future of the Big Ten and Big 12. Their rights are split, and Fox has a portion. We've seen what they've done with the Big Nooner, the 11 o'clock Central Time kickoff. It's worked out incredibly well. But are we getting more and more because now... ABC ESPN is going to have all the SEC. Everything. From the SEC mm-hmm. network, ESPN owned, mm-hmm. to all the second tier rights. And now, the first tier rights, their game of the week. Are you going to get lost in the shuffle and you just throw your hands up and say, Boy, is it time know. for a split? Yeah. The SEC can have, ESPN can have the SEC. They can do their thing, them and the ACC, and the Big Ten, Big 12, and maybe Pac 12 go off and say, we're going to do something different. I don't think you can lose that ESPN connection. Nope. But you have to you have to look at it because uh, you see, think you see a whole lot of SEC propaganda now. You just wait. <laughs> really? Now they're going to have the big game. So on the mothership top of it. gets it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. We'll take a timeout. We'll head to Florida. Dylan Mons from the Ames Tribune is there. Uh, we will speak with Dylan. Look forward to doing just that. Uh, also, in this hour, we'll get the Packers perspective on Monday Night Football. Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com. Headcheese.com if you're a Packer fan, if you're a Vikings fan, if you're an NFL fan. Uh, some good stuff on Lazard, who's the now uh, um, in the one slot on the depth chart. Alan Lazard has moved past Valdez Scandling. How about that? That is uh, not a surprise. Good I, for him. Yes, it, it was a surprise after we saw the way his career started and not getting drafted, mm-hmm. getting lost in purgatory, a.k.a. Jacksonville. <laughs> That's true. Now here he is with one of the national teams. On the top of the depth chart. With a team that's got a chance to have the one seed and he's in the good. NFC. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with Dylan Mons, Dave Syndicate in this hour. In the 11 o'clock hour, Kenny White, uh, KennyWhiteSports.com. Uh, Ted Glover, Daily Norseman. We'll get the Vikings perspective. And Tom Cakert, more on the Hawks. He was at United Center uh, back on Saturday night. So we'll uh, pick Tom's brain on what he saw. So a lot of turnovers, if nothing else. We'll come back with more. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Are you a Bing fan? I am. I'm a Christmas music fan. Are you? I don't mind. Yeah, I like uh, Dean Martin. Reminds me of my dad. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, Dean, I don't know why, but dad always used to play Dean Martin Christmas music. Yes. Uh, Anyways, let's get Dylan Montz in here. Reminds me there's a bowl game this weekend (laughs) as we head down to Florida where Dylan finds himself here this morning. Dylan, Trenton, Ken, you beat the rush down there. Dylan, how are you? 
Yeah, it's doing pretty well, guys. And uh, I just wanted to say that Christmas music reminds me of my dad, too. He'll usually belt out a couple uh, when we're just hanging around the holidays. So, nice. Uh, I like that intro. Yeah, it's great. We all have memories growing up, right, and uh, uh, that we have that in common. Well, Dylan, uh, I'm guessing there wasn't a lot of cyclones on your flight down there. They will be getting there, but uh, you're there in advance. The team gets there at what time today, Dylan? And will you have an opportunity today or will be tomorrow the first time that you get any interaction uh, with Coach Campbell's team? Yeah, so they're supposed to arrive around 2 o'clock Central Time, um, anywhere within that hour of a window, depending on what the traffic is like. The airport is a little bit of a distance from where the team hotel is, but uh, today we're supposed to get uh, Matt Campbell, Brock Purdy, and Marshall Spears as kind of an arrival type of thing, and hopefully have a couple stories out of that. Um, and then it's just kind of intermittent throughout the week. Get to go to practice a couple times, uh, get coordinators uh, throughout the week, and then um, tap it off with the coaches' press conference on Friday. So every bowl game, there's, of course, the, the swag that the guys get. Any idea what the swag looks like <laughs> for nice. them? Secondly... There's something. They, they go to, well, for you, they'll go to Disney. They'll do something like that. Mm-hmm. Any idea what the trip's going to be for the team this year? Yeah, you know what? I, I haven't heard if they're going to Disney or not. I, I can't imagine they would come down here without stopping over right. to one of those places. I know they have a, a meet and greet with fans at some at event at a, a go cutting place not too far from the hotel. Um, I, I'm not sure what the flag is, but I'm sure uh, throughout the week we'll kind of see hints here and there. Maybe as they're uh, walking into practice or something, uh, you know, a couple of different things. But no real word yet. But um, you know, I know uh, it's, it's going to be something. The Alamo Bowl stuff was pretty cool. So I would imagine this would follow somewhat in, in line with, with those. Mm. The bowl swag, uh, yeah, it's always fun too. I think some, I think somebody actually puts out a list of what every bowl gives out. I think it's O'Ran at Sports is Business it? Journal. Boy, yeah. he's been busy. He broke yes, the he SEC is. CBS story, which is a major, major story uh, to watch. Dylan Mons from the Ames Tribune. Dylan, uh, Jamie Pollard was, I think, the first to mention this. I know we've talked about it, but I, I don't think it could be any more spot on. There'll be more eyeballs watching Iowa State on Saturday take on uh, Notre Dame than, than probably I mean, not probably than ever before. This is going to have a lot of people maybe seeing Iowa State, some for the first time, I would guess, uh, but certainly, uh, you know, a team that um, maybe may for the rest of the country kind of flies under the radar. That won't be the case this Saturday, Dylan. Yeah, I wrote a little bit, I wrote a story on this, uh, looking at some of the numbers of what Notre Dame has had in the past. And Last year, um, through more than half of the season, they averaged, I think, three and a half million viewers on NBC. So it's, it's that whole, you know, aura of Notre Dame with the gold helmets, NBC sitting down on Saturday to watch, watch them play whomever. And, um, now, you know, translating that to ABC, the following that they always attract, mm-hmm. um, one of four games on that day. Um, you know, I would say doesn't have the allure of a Notre Dame from a national standpoint in the history, but, there's some interesting pieces, certainly with Matt Campbell and kind of his rise in rebuilding the program. Um, Brock Purdy, uh, you know, I think that all kind of plays into it too and can attract a few more eyeballs, but certainly Notre Dame is the draw here. Uh, you know, it's always kind of funny to think about Notre Dame and people can be, you know, fans of the school primarily, like Mike and Iowa State, but they're also, oh, I'm a Notre Dame fan. I grew up watching right. them. It's kind of like the whole Chicago Cubs. Um, type of thing. It's, it's the regionalism that's, which spreads kind of throughout the corners of the country as well. But uh, yeah, it, it's a big opportunity to take on not only a historic program, but one that has uh, the kind of 
visibility that Notre Dame does. So, Dylan, as you've been looking closer at this Notre Dame team, Ian Book, everybody, uh, most everybody knows the quarterback and the way that they can move the football. What concerns you most, though, from a Cyclone perspective as you look at the matchup against the Irish? Yeah, I think it probably starts with the offensive and defensive lines. Um, mm-hmm. Talked to John Haycock and Tom Manning, uh, defensive and offensive coordinators, a little bit last week, and both of those guys mentioned how uh, big they were up front. The Notre Dame plays primarily a four-man front on defense, and then an offensive lineman are really stout and big. And in both time, he's a little bit of a dual-threat guy, so he can get out and run a little bit if he needs to. And um, they're getting running back healthier again, so they'll be a little bit more... Um, it should be a little bit more potent there just because of what they have up front. So it's, I would say it's finding out ways to counteract that, um, disguising defenses maybe a little bit, and then offensively um, on the line that group is going to have to play as well as they have all year. And, you know, they've, they've gotten some good performances. I think Julian Jones has grown a lot. Um, Trevor Downing, it, it, Downing is getting better. Um, you know, Colin Olsen's really settled in at center. So, uh, you know, all across the board um, up front, uh, those guys are going to have to play probably as well as they have all year because it's going to be Oklahoma Glad you're getting a chance today to talk to Marcel Spears. I really think he's had a nice career uh, at Iowa State. He flew below the radar when it was, you know, Joel Lanning making the switch, uh, and he was terrific in that spot. Last year it was Willie Harvey in his senior year, and we know Willie Harvey didn't get to play the second half of the Alamo Bowl as he was uh, ejected for targeting. Uh, but but Spears is, I don't want to say quietly, Dylan, because he's made a lot of plays, and you'll find him right at the top of the list most years, or certainly near it, uh, as far as tackles. Uh, Marcel Spears, good career coming to an end. What do you hope to get out of him when you have an opportunity to speak with a guy who's, you know, really uh, worn the colors proudly in Spears? Yeah, it probably just kind of how a little bit of what you mentioned, how he's kind of been the, the study force behind all of it um, the last few years, even the last two and this year included with um, Mike Rose and Ryan Vance. So Ryan Vance kind of burst out of the scene this year. Kevin, I think six and a half sacks in the first four games or so, and then Mike Rose has been the guy that we've talked about all year that flexes inside and out. But Mike Rose has kind of been the constant. He directs traffic. He's physical in, in the run stoppage, can play in coverage a little bit. Everybody remembers him for six sixes that he's had against Texas Tech in the past, but really just kind of how he's um, adapted to whatever talent has been around him and, and kind of bridging the gap between um, what Iowa State's done in the front end with Eddie Wazirike, Ray Lima, um, Jamal Johnson, Zach Peterson, Jaquan Bailey, and then uh, go to the back end where Greg Iceworth kind of drives traffic. How you can be the go between and, and make the defense fit all, all together. That's what he's, he's been kind of a blue guy in terms of that the last few years. So really just how he's kind of adapted to whatever's around him. And, and like you mentioned, it is kind of interesting to watch his career because he does seem a little bit like the not not the forgotten guy, but the guy who's maybe quietly behind the scenes, um, you know, underlining um, whatever is happening around him. So it's he's had a good career and an interesting one for sure because of um, some of the uh, different things he's been able to accomplish in all facets. Dylan, I'm sure this is something that'll be talked about as you lead up into the game, but bull prep, always a time. Here's some names of some young guys that have been flashing, guys that have been playing well. Saw three true freshmen this year burn their red shirt, of course, Brees Hall, along with a couple of defensive backs and King and Miller. Any names that you've been hearing uh, talked about in bull prep that are starting to pop going into next year and, of course, spring football? Yeah, uh, Matt Campbell mentioned this a little bit last week, that he's, 
kind of excited that there's, there have been, been as many young guys that have popped up on the radar because that means they're uh, not only recruiting correctly but developing the guys that do recruit so the older older kids are playing a little bit more but it will supplement it sometimes with some of the younger guys that are just kind of undeniable talents I guess that can go help them but um, he did give a few names that Darian Porter was the first one he mentioned the, the monthly wide receiver from Battendorf who um, he was a state record holder in the 400-meter dash and really effective in the 100 and 200, I think. Um, he, he did play in one game this year, I believe, Louisiana Monroe. So uh, having him have uh, four years of eligibility after this to be able to go help them on the perimeter where they will need guys to step up because of what they lose this year's big. Um, Jairo Brock at running back is another guy that's kind of been behind the scenes, came in as a four-star recruit and uh, runs really physically and can uh, catch out of the backfield a little bit. And then on the defensive side, you mentioned Deshaun Young, uh, one of the spaces that they recruited in the last class. Um, and then Eric Horn and Corey Stottle, both guys on the defensive front, in the front seven, um, you know, really big kids and, and versatile and uh, have really seemed to pop um, the last few practices that they've had. So uh, a few different names there, but all of that are at kind of important positions as well. So it, it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of um, in spring ball for their uh, development that Matt Campbell's seen the last um, couple weeks or so. Uh, last thing, Dylan, any whispers out there regarding guys that uh, you know might not be able to play in, in this football game, particularly on the offensive line? There seems to be some whispers out there. Are you hearing anything? Uh, not, not anything real strong, but that's kind of uh, you know what the hope is uh, for Matt Campbell today is to get some of those housekeeping items and, and get them uh, kind of on record and, and, you know, not have as much speculation as there seems to be leading up to the bowl games in regards to that. So I'll hopefully have more of a definitive answer uh, here in a few hours. Good stuff. Dylan Mons, Ames Tribune, AmesTrib.com. We'll look for that, and we'll look for all the stuff that you do down there uh, leading up to just a, a big, big opportunity for Iowa State taking on Notre Dame, 11 o'clock ABC on Saturday morning. Dylan, thank you. We'll talk to you at the end of the week. Appreciate it, Dylan Mons. Yep, sounds great, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Dylan Ames Tribune, AmesTrib.com. Take a time out. We will switch gears. Uh, let's do this Packers, shall we, with Dave Sinek yes. and TheHeadCheese.com. Uh, that's coming up as we continue. Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 146. Get Hope, HopeLawFirm.com. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Final segment here. Thanks to Dylan Montz from the Ames Tribune. He's uh, in Orlando getting set to cover the Camping World Bowl. Iowa State arrives today, so plenty of Iowa State-Notre Dame conversation when we resume after the Christmas break. But uh, let's, uh, well, it's the final Monday night of the year, sadly, but what a way to end it uh, with the Vikings hosting the Packers. It's that border battle that everybody loves. Packers, Vikings with a ton on the line. You can read Dave Sinek in theheadcheese.com, theheadcheese.com. You can hear him on KFAN, and Dave joins us. Dave Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on, Dave Sinek, and happy holidays. How are you, sir? Uh, happy holidays to you guys. Uh, I'm uh, great, and I can't believe I have all these hours to wait until this game. 
Yeah, no kidding, right? It's uh, it's kind. Of, I mean, we love the we love the primetime games, but it certainly is a long wait. And there's so much to play for, Dave. With, and as you pointed out in your blog, theheadcheese.com, and it's a great piece. It's a lengthy piece uh, previewing the uh, f- uh, finale, week 16 Monday night football finale. Anyways, so much on the line now after Arizona surprisingly goes into Seattle, and this wasn't a fluke, as you pointed out, Dave. I mean, they they took them to the woodshed, but a lot on the line for the Packers based on that result. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, all the, the teams you really think are fantastic in the NFC have kind of stumbled of late. I don't think anybody can look at the NFC and say, well, there's nobody is going to beat the Saints or no one's going to beat San Francisco. I think it feels more wide open. And Seattle has dropped three home games now, and you know they're going to be playing next uh, Sunday night for a chance to win their division. And if they can win that game and, and Green Bay wins the last two, <laughs> somehow the Packers are the top seed in the NFC. So. It's uh, it is unbelievable, and obviously, first things first, uh, they have to win in a place they've never won before tonight. Absolutely wild, a, a place that uh, certainly has been a house of horrors for Green Bay. This Vikings team still option available, but they need help. They need the Lions to get it done in Week 17. Let's start with the here and now, though. What you anticipated, of course, all eyes on the quarterback, Kirk Cousins, still without a win in Monday Night Football. Mm. Yeah, and Viking fans, I think more than anything. I mean, obviously, Kirk wants that to go away, and the organization does too, and the fans are so sick of hearing that. And, you know, it is what it is. Most of those losses have happened as a member of the Redskins. The last two or three have been as a member of the Vikings. But, you know, the facts are he prefers to play at noon, and he has not been his sharpest in prime time. Their earlier loss on Monday Night Football, I don't think he could put at the feet of Kirk Cousins. I think he played well in that game, but... uh against Seattle, but uh, they, he has struggled. And so uh, that's, you know, one little check mark, I guess, in Green Bay's corner. But uh, I don't read too much into that. Uh, I, don't, I think a lot is made of that. And uh, I think if Green Bay is to win tonight, it's probably not going to be what Kirk Cousins does or doesn't do. It's going to be what Green Bay's defense is able to do with the Vikings on that fast track at U.S. Bank. Well, the good news is, Dave, is uh, the Packers come into this as healthy as they've been in some time, I, I saw the injury report, the final one that came out, unless you know somebody got sick overnight, it basically all hands on deck for this one tonight. It's been that way all season. Such a change of pace. The Packers have been so banged up in recent years. I get so many frustrating calls and tweets from Packer fans. What's wrong with our medical staff? What's wrong with our conditioning guys? Why are we more injured than everybody else? And I'm sure most teams' fan bases probably feel that way most seasons, but Man, this season, Green Bay has been so fortunate. Yes, they lost Devontae Adams for a stretch, but, man, yes, everybody should be available tonight. The only starter on the injury report is Dean Lowry, the defensive lineman, who uh, tweaked his ankle during the game last week against the Bears, finished the game, practiced limited uh, Thursday, Friday, but was a full participant Saturday, yet is listed as questionable on the injury report. I expect him to play uh, both teams actually are really healthy, except for obviously Cook, uh, perhaps yeah. the top two running backs for the Vikings might miss this game. But other than that, they've got all starters ready. So it's what you want, Week 16, what you you dare to dream about, that you've got a, a healthy roster when the games matter most and let the chips fall. You know, I, I read an interesting article at ESPN today with uh, Kevin Seifert, who uh, very close to the Vikings, but he was talking about both teams Running zone blocking schemes, something that became very much at the forefront with Ken's Broncos back in the day with Shanahan. It brings a connection here to the state of Iowa, as many Hawkeye fans are calling for an end to the zone blocking scheme. That scheme, the way it still works today, even with the speed of defenses and speed of linebackers and safeties coming up, how it still works today as you watch it. 
Yeah, it's really the function, I think, of Gary Kubiak joining the Vikings mm. staff in the offseason. That's probably the most key addition to this team in the offseason is him bringing his offensive philosophy, his running style to this organization, and it's worked. I mean, Cook has not been as effective the last seven or eight weeks, uh, whether it's been injury or uh, uh, offensive line not doing its job. But that, that system works. It does work in Green Bay as well. Uh, putting running backs in space, having athletic linemen that, that can move in space and kind of move as one. And sometimes it can take some time for everybody to get in rhythm. I was a bit concerned about whether Green Bay's running game might take some time to, to figure it out, but it's been really effective uh, virtually the entire season. The Vikings has as well. Uh, you have to have the right kind of backs, the guys that are shifty, that can plant and cut and, and move in one direction and quickly cut in the other. And, and both of these teams have those backs, unfortunately, for the Vikes. Their top two uh, options there are likely to miss this game. But, but Mike Boone is a really talented mm-hmm. running back out of Cincinnati who runs hard, runs with violence, and uh, they'll lose something. They won't have the home run ability that Cook brings. I don't know that, that Boone can catch screen passes as effectively as Cook has in recent weeks, and we'll see if that's something that's missing from the Vikings offense. But this running attack, both these teams have used that that outside zone running scheme to their advantage. And, yeah, it's still very effective for teams that are using it. Well, Dave Sinek and the HeadCheese.com will use your team figured it out. Seems like Rashawn Gary's figuring it out. Uh, uh, really good article in The Athletic, and they believe it was published yesterday. When he came out of Michigan, the talent was clearly there, but the knock on him as well, he kind of takes some plays off. At least some scouts felt that way. Rashawn uh, Gary maybe taking a while, Dave, but playing his best football at the end of the season, as a lot of rookies do. Yeah, they were really, really conservative with, with putting him out there, and they were able to do that because of the, the two Smiths they signed in free agency uh, that really play that spot that Gary plays best, an outside linebacker in the in the base 3-4. I think he's only played about 25% of the defensive snaps. They're, they're picking and choosing their times, but, man, he is becoming a bit of a force out there. He's making plays, and he's being noticeable, and I think they really handled it right. There, there seemed to be no question about his heart, his interest in learning, and they want to be able to move him all over that line, as they do with Darius Smith. And that's a lot to digest, a lot to learn. I mean, look, this was a team at this time last year that was 5-8-1. and one, And that's why they could draft as high as they did to draft a guy like Gary. And here we are at 11-3. and three, And so they've been able and fortunate enough to say, you know, we don't need to force this guy out of the field. We can let him watch two really nice ascending players in Darius and Preston Smith, watch their work habits, watch how they prepare for each game, watch what they do on the field from the sideline, and I think that's really helped him. And I don't know how much he'll be needed or counted on the rest of this season, but I think they like his development. It's been slow and steady. I was a detractor when they drafted him, and uh, show me what you got, Rashawn. And mm-hmm. he's, starting to, he's starting to show us, and it's, uh, I think it uh, bodes well for the future of this Packers defense. When we talked to you a couple weeks ago, we brought up Tyler Irvin in the return game. Deep into the season, the Packers' negative punt return yardage. He, he was absolutely big-time necessary against the Bears, though he got away with the fumble. As a Bears fan, I'll leave that one aside. Still, his return, his impact in the return game, certainly a big step up for the special teams of Green Bay. Oh, it's been huge. And actually, that wasn't him, uh, that fumble. Oh, okay. That was Williams. So, so Irvin returned the first punt, then 12, 15 yards, and then he ran into the tunnel. And I don't, I've never heard what happened. Maybe it was a bathroom break. I don't know. <laughs> but they had to throw Tremont Williams back there for that punch. And that's why I figured they said to the guy, he's 38. I mean, he's a veteran. Right. Put your hand up. Don't try to be a hero. Make a fair catch. Don't try to return it. And he didn't call for a fair catch. He gets blasted yeah. by Cordero Patterson. 
fumble that should have been Bears' ball. The officials awarded Green Bay the penalty. Uh, so that wasn't Urban's fault, but it just showed uh, how much Green Bay needs him. What a pickup he's been for the last few weeks to completely turn around the punt return game, which is a disaster the first 12 weeks of the season, and an allowed, deafening stadium tonight. Uh, I feel so much better knowing he's back there, and not just because of what he's done the last three or four games, but knowing he's got over 100 punt returns in the NFL on his resume in Houston and Jacksonville. He's been through this before, and it takes away a, an alarming uh, stat from this team. It makes us feel a whole lot more comfortable going down the stretch. Last thing for you, Dave Sinek and TheHeadCheese.com is our guest, TheHeadCheese.com for you Packer fans out there. Uh, Alan Lazard has worked his way to the top of the depth chart. He's now ahead of Valdez Scandling. Uh, your thoughts on what Lazard has brought to this football team? It's been fun to watch from our perspective here, a kid that uh, you know wasn't drafted when most thought that he would, uh, lingered in Jacksonville, found a way to the uh, Packers practice squad, and uh, has just continued to move up the depth chart. Yeah, I'm real excited about what this guy is going to do in the future. And I remember when they put him on the practice squad, I thought the Vikings might snatch him because they really need a depth at wide receiver or another team because I thought he had shown enough. If you look at his measurables and what he did in college, you say, okay, he's not a burner. He can't run a 4-3-40, but I could just tick down the all-time great receivers that never uh, were very much heroes on the stopwatch. Uh, he has gotten Aaron Rodgers' confidence, and I think that's, that's number one. Rodgers talked about it in the summer how he likes to sit next to Rodgers in meetings, how he takes notes, how he asks questions, how he wants to learn every single route, uh, every single um, responsibility that he would need as a wide receiver. And it obviously has paid off. He announced himself in that Monday night game against Detroit, and he has steadily moved up the Packers' depth chart. I think tonight you will see very little of Marquez Valdez-Skentling. I think you'll see very little of Geronimo Allison. I think Lazard and Jay Kumaro mm-hmm. have now earned Rodgers' trust after Devontae Adams and while the Vikes will try to take Adams away and keep a safety on his side, they're moving Adams around now. They played a lot out of the slot last week, and they're going to use Lazard on the outside. Uh, the future is bright. I think Green Bay will look to draft a receiver rather early next season, um, but I think Alan Lazard has stamped himself as a, a premier member of this receiving core, and he was much needed for an offense that has kind of struggled through the air this season. No question about it. Well, Dave Sinek and TheHeadCheese.com, your final sentence. If the curtain comes down the way you've forecasted this game ending, Monday Night Football will go out with a bang. I'm not going to give any hints as to what you wrote. I'll just have folks go there, TheHeadCheese.com. That will bring the curtain down in fine fashion. Dave, uh, wish PA happy holidays. I know you're going on his show here in a little bit. Uh, And same to you. Thank you uh, for what you've done for us up until this point. And we'll talk to you later on this week. Thank you, Dave. My pleasure, guys. Have a great Christmas. We'll talk to you later. Take care. Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com and KFAN. He's in year 24 of hosting Packer Preview up there. Does a Saturday morning show uh, as well. The Saturday morning show is uh, 52 weeks out of the year, but of course Packer Preview during the NFL season. Five and a half is the number the last I saw. Is it still lingering at that point? That's where it is. Yeah, Pick higher than you'd anticipate I, on the surface. I'm with you. Vegas knows something. Well, they usually do. Mr. Monday Night will tell you later. Oh, that's right. This is your chance to make amends. Oh, yeah. It it's all comes down to this. Uh, we're, we're putting... How many units am I down? I'm down three units. We're uh-huh. putting five units on this for a winning record. Mr. Monday Night is ready. December has not been kind to Mr. MNF. <laughs> oh, man. I finally battled back over 500. Feeling great. 
The last month has been hideous. Indeed. Well, we got one more hour before we call it a show. In the next hour, Kenny White, we're going to go ahead to Vegas. Speaking of point spreads, we'll pick his brain on some of these college bulls. Uh, Ted Glover, going to get the Vikings perspective, dailynorseman.com. And Tom Cakert was in Chicago uh, on Saturday night. And before he heads up, we thought we'd get Tom in here a little bit more on Cincinnati and Iowa. We'll push Dr. Man, who's traveling this morning, and Morehouse to Thursday and Friday uh, when we'll get those guys live from San Diego. Hour number two coming up next. It's Trent Condon, Ken Miller, Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460.